0: Tommy, my friend.
1: Hobie, it's good to see you again. Yeah, you too.
0: You've been a busy boy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You could put it that way. Absolutely, yeah.
0: yeah. We're sitting here in the, you know, V2, uh, new and improved Tommy Brees workshop.
1: New, definitely new, hopefully improved, and definitely larger, which could be called an improvement for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. It was great because when we were in the small studio you know things were things were working well and we had to make it work in a small space so so then when we got into the larger space we're basically doing the same things we just have a little bit more room to, to spread out
0: stretch out I know when I when I was setting up the uh the cameras in here it's like I'm not used to having this much space to work with it's really nice yeah, usually I'm squeezing in clamp
1: stuff onto just about anything exactly yeah the
0: clampable surfaces are great yes um, but yeah, there's such great light in here and plenty of rooms for hats and yeah. apparently for live music as well.
1: Live music. Yeah. We've done a little bit of live music inside. We hosted the happies for a band practice as uh, mostly a way of figuring out what the acoustics were in here. We haven't done any, uh, any shows in here, but we have done a number right outside on the patio. Hmm. Which is a really special little spot, um, it's got a little fountain some some nice fences and Christmas lights, and a little contained space for some music
0: yeah, I remember what it it's been like a year since we had our last conversation, maybe a little longer. I remember you uh mentioning that you were looking to do some sort of community event space thing. Is this the This is the evolution of that idea.
1: Yeah, this is the next station in that evolution for sure. And I'm super excited about it. We had an event last weekend with milk for the angry L radio, Fantastique, and sunhead, and they all put on phenomenal shows and it was this little self-contained really DIY feeling concert that turned into something really beautiful. Um, Just saw a lot of people uh, absolutely glowing about, you know, what they're experiencing, what they're a part of. You know, not only was the the band, the bands were amazing, but the audience was amazing too. And probably my favorite part about it was hearing uh, from parents that their their kids had told them about the show and invited them. And then also hearing from kids that their parents had told them about the show and invited them. Um, So we had a real a real family establishment going here.
0: It's a good center circle on the Venn diagram of promotional.
1: Yeah, definitely. Apparatus. And and I barely, honestly, I barely did any promotion. I did make a poster, um, that my good friend and housemate Dana from milk for the angry put up all over town. Um, so maybe that helped, maybe it didn't, but you know, I wasn't, Staying up late the night before texting any number I could think of, (laughs) you know, uh, I was pretty much like, all right, I think this is going to go well. We don't have a huge capacity for shows here, but we probably had, uh, Solid 100 to 150 people there at any given time.
0: That's not bad, especially for Fairfax. That's like a good turnout right there.
1: Pretty solid, yeah.
0: Was it... uh, Do you have... I didn't see... Do you have a stage outside? Or where did you... How did you stage the band?
1: We basically just staged them right in front of this fountain that I think was put in in the 80s when this was a dance and yoga studio. It's also been a yoga studio more recently, but uh, I've been trying to piece together the history of the space. Um, It actually was built in the 1950s as a elementary school it was the second i'm getting that vibe iteration of central it. school yeah. yeah exactly um this was the kindergarten room i believe um so yeah there's good lighting in here there's high ceilings and it's exactly the size that you would expect like if you think back to elementary school uh your your elementary school classroom that is the size of the room that we're in right now some
0: childish vibes too i'm sure
1: yeah, you know, yeah, keep thing, keep things youthful and, and, and joyful, hopefully. Uh, and then right outside where we set up the band was one of the uh, um, sort of like recess areas, a little patio. Um, there's some plants out there now. And I basically just relied on the talents of, of a lot of friends from the different bands to do all the sound. And then I... Got to, you know, handle the rest, uh, beverage side and electrical side, make sure we didn't blow any fuse boxes.
0: <laughs> it's <laughs> important. Did you guys, uh, is there a name for the, for the event or do you have like a name for the, these, I, I know you have more yeah. scheduled. So
1: Yeah, I don't have like a name for the series. Um, it's been, been pretty loose so far that the invitation just said school street plaza at Tommy breeze HQ, which is Pretty much the only the only name we've come up for the studio so far. They're TVHQ. Just, I just call it the studio, but that doesn't really <laughs> work on a poster.
0: Right. Yeah. Which studio um, is that? Uh. <laughs> yeah. Nice, man. Um, I remember last time we spoke, you were talking about this idea of kind of having like a community press as far as doing, you know, small run orders for bands and local yep. artists and you were talking about a location in San Fe as well. Is that yeah. still up and running?
1: Absolutely, yeah. What's up with that? And I've been making some inroads um, with my own projects with that. You know, I think the biggest thing to get to get done um, was to uh, make sure that I had some flexibility with my schedule so that I could take on new stuff. So I could like learn more things, connect the dots on more things, and that's been. Uh, much more possible lately thanks to our amazing team here um there are sort of five main people helping out right now we have myself ella and ashton who are all full-time and we all do different types of sewing all sorts of other projects shipping uh bookkeeping we all share responsibilities and that kind of thing um And then also Dolores, who helps with sewing and events, and Ole, who is my marketing director and helps with all kinds of other things, too. Um, So that's really allowed me to take a step away from the machine, Mm -hmm. where I was spending, you know, probably the last time we talked, I was probably spending six to eight hours per day sewing on the machine uh, to get enough hats made to, you know, keep the company up and running and meet all of our deadlines. And now a lot of that sewing time on the machine is shared. Um, Ella's been picking up a lot of that. Um, Ashton, Dolores both sew as well. And at the moment, it's allowing me a little bit more time to focus on more design stuff and also spend time in San Rafael um, at Sew Marin, which is a company owned by my good friend John Zerbe. It's funny. Uh, our names are actually anagrams of each other. Breeze and Zerby. Mm. Which is just a fun little fun fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but SoMarin is really special. Um, John is basically a one-man band over there right now. Um, he has uh, computerized embroidery machines and does a whole bunch of different work um, on these massive multi-head sewing machines that are all cnc they're all computer controlled and he does the programming to get the images translated into thread and um yeah it's it's both a ton of physical work and a ton of programming work Um, and i've recently gotten a chance to spend some time over there and turn some of my ink drawings into embroidery thread Mm. What's that
0: process like? How does that happen?
1: So basically I'd, I'd take a picture of the sketch, like take a scan of it, and then I'd upload it into the embroidery software, like turn down the opacity a little bit. So you have like a picture of your drawing sitting there on your, on your screen. And then in a similar way to Photoshop or Illustrator, or honestly, even like, MS Paint or something like that. You basically outline all the different parts. Um, And what you're doing there is you're turning the drawing into something that the embroidery machines can read. So you're basically selecting areas of the drawing, and then you're telling it what type of stitch you want the machine to do, as well as which uh, thread spool you want the machine to use. And then you go through and you load your thread spools with the different colors that correspond to where you told it to take the thread from so if you want i actually i've already done black and white, but if you want to have a bunch of different colors, um, you know you would keep track of like which thread spool is going to each and basically just redraw the entire sketch um, with a series of layers mm. so another big part of it is having the machine do it as efficiently as possible so if you're like embroidering something over here you don't want it to like jump to something over there and then have to jump back so you you have sort of this like stage direction with the machine yeah yeah yeah
0: i can imagine that just like with your hand by hand the more times you do that the more efficient you get the more you start yeah. designing your drawings to be um, exactly you know as as few runs as possible Right.
1: exactly yeah i'm sort of equating it with Maybe something like printmaking, where you spend a whole bunch of time, you know, making your printing block, like carving it out. Um, I mean, I don't know how to carve out a printing <laughs> block. I, I've done some in school, but uh, but it's similar to, to that you're spending all this time on the front end, like getting the thing perfect. And then you basically have a thing that you can hit print on and see how it turns out. And then if it doesn't turn out just the right way, it's back to the drawing board. Working on that printing block again, and then going back.
0: How many uh, colors can the machine hit? Like, how many different spools can it handle at one time?
1: At a, one time, it can do eighteen different spools. That's a and, lot of shades. Yeah, eighteen colors to work with.
0: Do you have what? Like, I, I've noticed with your with your designs and your hats. You know, what, how many colors on average are you run, are you running with
1: for embroidery? Probably on average, if it's a full embroidery patch, probably eight or nine. Um, But I also do a lot of patches that combine printing and embroidery. So like this one, for example, this is our new colorway of the Sundown Cypress patch. This is the original one that I did, uh, man, four or five years ago at this point on a hat. Um, And then I recolored it with this. These use the exact same amount of thread colors, and it is one, one thread color. Just the black tree that you see here is embroidery thread. Everything else is printed um, digitally. Um, So a few different tricks. uh, And for those of
0: you just listening, this is just like his iconic cypress tree print. You can see on his website. The originals is more like blue going into yellows and oranges and greens, kind of more of a full-spectrum rainbow. And then the new one is, what, going more into, like, pinks?
1: Yeah, we call it the sundown cypress. Ah,
0: awesome. okay, yeah, so more like the golden hour.
1: Yeah, it's kind of just a little, little bit later in the day kind of thing. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I saw all these cameras around me. and I was like, well, I'll just show the camera. And it's like, oh, (laughs) right. (laughs) That's my job as the host. I got
0: to be thinking for all of our audio folk Uh out there
1: as well. Yeah, I'll try to keep up too. (laughs) I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of radio. I should know the drill. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Let me paint a picture for you with my words. A word
0: picture. Um, And then... Is this shirt that you're wearing? Is this a piece of your work as well? It's
1: not one of my one of my drawings. Actually, I've, I've had uh, people ask me that a few times. It's a Fairfax Open Space shirt. It's got a little design on the front and a big version of that design on the back, and it's just a beautiful line drawing mm-hmm. with a trail and a mountain and some trees, which are definitely things that I work with frequently. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I I've asked them. I've asked a couple people at, at Fairfax Open Space Committee, hey, who designed this shirt? And I guess the two people I've asked so far uh, weren't uh, weren't totally sure. So that is a mystery that I still have to get to the bottom of. Um, but I love the design, so I want to meet the artist and give them a high five.
0: Oh, yeah. Have you done any? I know last time we talked to you, you were talking about wanting to do more apparel different kinds of items. Yeah. Have you guys expanded. Into I have that?
1: a little bit actually. Yeah. Just this past holidays, we did a release of t-shirts and I'm working hard on one of our next main releases, um, which is in tandem with So Marin and the embroidery, uh, programming I've been talking about is doing much larger patches made from the ground up in Marin for denim jackets. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice
0: I could do some some tigers and dragons and stuff <laughs> We
1: could do that well, <laughs> part of the thing is I also want it to be a a platform for collaborating with different artists, mm-hmm. um, so it would be really cool to bring in you know some other other types of artwork onto those jackets, but we're going to start with really just more like detailed versions of of my embroidery designs but also new landscapes entirely i'm I'm not just going to take existing designs and make them bigger might do that a little bit <clears throat> especially if people want to want to request that I, I might be into doing it but but really it's about you know a new chapter of what i can pull off with embroidery design and sort of bringing the fine art aspect into into computerized embroidery design there's a lot of amazing artists out there who do hand embroidery so basically you have a needle and thread in your hand you have an embroidery hoop you're making a design by hand no computers no machines involved i think it's super cool um i actually started by sewing with a a needle and thread in my hand um to put patches on hats before i had a sewing machine so i think that stuff is really cool what I want to do is approach it from kind of a different angle is using all of the capabilities of the embroidery machine on their computerized side of the industry, which, um, and not to take away from it at all, but it's often used for, you know, corporate, um, you know, logos just quickly emblazoned onto a jacket or onto a hat, you know, just basically promotional stuff that you're basically taking an existing logo, having the machine do it, putting on it, that involves a ton of work. I'm not trying to detract from it yeah. at all, but what I'm really setting out to do is make fine artwork from the ground up, just using those machines as the medium.
0: Of course. And, and I'm sure at a certain level, you know, even with the handwork that you're doing now, you know, at scale, there's going to be new problems to solve. Like how many hats can you make a day when it's just one person on a, on a sewing machine versus a, or embroideries even versus, you know, there's a reason why that's a standard in apparel lines.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's all going to be very small batch. Um, but I think that is going to be one of the cool things about it. And that's also where I'm trying to go with what you're talking about before with, with uh, with sort of a community uh, printing and manufacturing space that we were talking about last time mm-hmm. it's definitely the direction I want to go in and I want to intermesh it with events as a way to sell directly to the people um, I want to you know have the machinery available for people to learn on, for people to use on collaborations with their own designs and then also have the event side built in so that people can have a great time and also show up at these awesome like maker fairs where we can be making things in person. And I think the reason that like a lot of embroidered or promotional gear has to be so cheap is cause it's like a giveaway thing or it's sold to a distributor that then sells it to a dealer that then sells it to the consumer and that's all fine and good. But I would rather be involved with something where we're putting on events that are live, um, where people can meet the artists and the artists can sell directly to people at those events.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I can almost foresee like having a time specific design that's exclusive to that event.
1: Absolutely. It then
0: becomes a collector's item, you know, where it's like, oh, I was, you know, 2023 March. You know, I got the, yeah. the the t-shirt. Only 25 were made that day. Yeah. You know, I got 11 of them spanning 11 events. You know, like people Absolutely. love that stuff.
1: Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I mean, you're wearing a Dunn Company t-shirt. That was definitely a big part of, you know, concert tees. You're wearing one. What is this? Summer Tour 2019.
0: I just got this. Uh, my uncle passed a couple months ago and uh, my aunt, his wife, she had a bunch of his old t shirts. So That's she offered a, wow. me a, yeah. a couple of these really cool Dead and Co., which actually. I really like that one. It's a hand me down from Bill Walton to my uncle. To oh, me. cool. So, uh, this one. Yeah, I love it too. It's kind of almost got a Native American vibe a little bit. That's
1: Bill Walton's size?
0: No, obviously <laughs> not. <laughs> I, would, I think he, if I was wearing that, <laughs> that would be like his, a nightshirt for you. I got to go to his house recently, and, um, you know, all over his house is. A lot of Grateful Dead gear, and uh, I've told this before on the podcast, but you know, for a long time, he would be at all of their New Year's Eve shows, yep, and he was Father Time, yep, and this giant wizard's robe. So, like, his house in every corner is like from a specific year, whoa, a wizard's robe, interesting, with you know, different every time's a different decoration. Wow, so it was really, I cool
1: witnessed this- that, uh the 2019 at chase center. Oh a, yeah. That was a good new year's show.
0: Nice. Was he there? Did you see him? Oh yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that was really cool, but I was feeling a little dead and co this morning. You That's know? great. <laughs> yeah. <There you> go. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, do you have any artists currently on the roster that you're collaborating with that we should shout out or Oh, man.
1: One of my most uh, favorite collabs I've got going on right now is that both Ashton and Ella, employees here at my company, are working on their own original designs. Oh! I can't give away too much about (laughs) what they'll be uh, in their final form, but they're both in in industries that each of them are individually really passionate about. Um, So Ashton's working on sketches for one and Ella's working on sketches for another. And they're both projects that they really kickstarted all by themselves Mm. that I didn't bring to them. They really brought them to me. Did they pitch you on them? Yeah, totally. So I basically said, yeah, you know, spend some time, uh, sketching out ideas for these, you know, bring that together into something that you want to do as a patch. And then I can be an advisor on those patch projects.
0: That's so cool. Like what a, uh, it's not something that you see often in a work environment. It's like a a boss or a leader or manager who's like allowing people to explore their creative side or, you know, give, give, breathe air into, you know, I know you've worked so hard at establishing this brand and building this, this company. And it's so cool to see you, uh, supporting the people that work with you, you know, t- to do the same thing. And, uh, a lot of it is like what we talked about in the last episode of this, Creating this platform for artists to thrive, and you it sounds like you're putting your money where your mouth is. Yeah, thank
1: hard. you, I appreciate that. I mean, that's the kind of workplace that I want to work in. Uh, so if I have the power to uh, push that in the right direction, I absolutely want to. And, are are yeah. these
0: like hat designs? Are they? Can you speak about? Yeah, what, they're what? patch designs. Okay, cool. so
1: they're they're going to be patches that go onto hats, um, and. Yeah, it's, uh, I think they're both going to be, going to be kind of groundbreaking in their own ways. Um, it'll be fun. Um, we got one for the outdoors industry and one for the music industry. Yeah. I've got a couple more collabs coming up, um, with some cool, cool companies and events. Um, I just released a few different school collabs, um, Vallecito and Bio Vista Elementary Schools. Sun Valley's got a new one coming out. Did a uh, collab with uh, Archie Williams High School with the Tam High mountain bike team. Um, I've got a second edition of my West Marin Little League patch coming nice. out, which I'm really excited about. I was a West Marin Little League kid, and the field is just across the parking lot from my studio here. Right. Um, so, I'm going to wheel one of my sewing machines over for opening day, and we're going to do some live hat sewing over at the field. Nice. That's going to be fun. Uh, I also do a lot of stuff in the bike industry. I'm going to be going to Sea Otter, the Sea Otter Classic big bike event that happens down at Laguna Seca Raceway in Monterey with Wilderness Trail Bikes, or WTB as they're known. Um, really awesome company that's been around for a long time in the mountain bike components industry. Mm. Um, and I've got an original design that hopefully we'll be able to release at sea otter and so on to some hats.
0: Awesome, dude. I, uh, I've been to that raceway once for a, a longboarding competition. Whoa. That's awesome. My friend. Was, did you do
1: the corkscrew on a longboard?
0: I did not. Um, <laughs> did I, some
1: people do it on a longboard. Yeah, they, wow. it, it was wild
0: <laughs> there. My buddy was working on a documentary about longboarding, the wow. history of longboarding and, huh i went and helped him uh i think i did a little shooting it was a long time ago Uh but uh that's awesome man like seeing the different exploring the different patchable contexts and uh i'm just curious you know with all these pokers in the fire all the like execution high order thinking that you're engaged in right now like how do you still find time to design or to be, you know, how do you fit your creativity into all of that, that work? Has that process changed for you And right, That's year? a,
1: that's a key thing. That's really important is to bring creativity back into it. I mean, man, in the last couple of years, I did not have a lot of time to make new designs, new artwork, or even just sit with my feelings. Um, now that I have some more help at the company, especially on the sewing side, I feel like, even if i can just get half an hour to an hour every day to to work on creative you know new sketches or dialing in a design i'm like ecstatic even if it's just mm-hmm. half an hour like yeah. after barely having any time for that in the past it really uh seems wonderful <laughs> um but you know always working more toward doing, you know, more, more drawing, getting outdoors has helped a lot. Uh, the weather is starting to get really nice here in Marin here in early, mid February, and it's only going to get nicer. I think hopefully some more rainstorms as well, but we had a huge amount of rain this year. I think it was record breaking across the board for pretty much the whole Bay area.
0: It's nice to see all the reservoirs full. Yeah,
1: absolutely. It really it's nice because sometimes, like, when, if the weather gets good in, like, February, you're like, yay, the weather's great, but also we didn't get any rain, so <laughs> I can't, like, feel good about this deep really? down. But we can feel good about it this year. We got too much rain, almost too much rain. Nice. Um, we got to pause real
0: quick. <laughs> yeah. All right. We're back. Um, where were we?
1: We're we were uh jumping back in from that quick word from our sponsor. Exactly, thank you. And we were talking about art and we're time for art. art. Yes, and time for getting outside. Time
0: for getting outside and Oh yeah, I had a question for you. As, you know, as you found this uh this time for being creative, being creative, your creative time has been, you know, become less and less of what you can allocate in your limited hours each day. Right. Is that do you, are you finding that something that you have to formally schedule out of your day like I'm going to carve out this, you know, 30 minutes and and are there specific times in the day when you find you're most able to dive in uh, to just creating, you know, I know that can be a tricky process. Yeah, like I
1: think one good time in the day is sort of late afternoon when we've finished all of our shipping for the day and I've sort of had a chance to attack a whole bunch of emails in my inbox and, um, you know, maybe Ashton or Ella are either headed home for the day or they're settling into some sewing or some inventory or something like that. Um, I really like to just take a quick run up the hill and sometimes I'll bring like a sketchbook or a, or my iPad so I can like do some drawing when I get up there. Um, I think that's one time this is just like, Oh sweet. Like I don't have anything like immediately pressing that I have to get done for another half hour to an hour. Um, great. I'll take a, quick hike up the hill or jump on my bike and go for a ride. Um, sometimes I'll do a drawing while I'm doing that. Sometimes not, but just getting outdoors is mm-hmm. really great. Um, also like I love going across the street to uh, split rock tap and wheel. Sometimes I'll bring a sketchbook or a drawing pad over there. They have a really great, uh, outdoor patio, um, with a perfect view of Mount Tamalpais, looking across the slopes of Mount Tam from East Peak to West Peak and always just really good light in town and it's a nice place to just sit there um, temperature is really nice like in the evening when I'm going to be getting dinner um, just have that little space to like nestle into a corner and do some drawing And then I always see good friends over there and yeah. they have really good food and beverages shout out Split Rock Tap shout and out Wheel Split Rock downtown Fairfax, um, is right across the street from my studio. Um, so it's kind of like my satellite office, <laughs> um, made a lot of good business connections over there too.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I've heard like, I've heard, uh, it's said that one of the best cures for writer's block or any creative block is to get out of your normal work environment whether that's going to a coffee shop, sitting under a tree, going, you know, just getting removed from your normal zone. Yeah, S- definitely. Some advice I could probably take from myself. <laughs> I happen to have a very comfortable sunlit room to work in. So there's not a lot of incentive to go. Uh-huh, so, nice. It's so comfy in there. But, <laughs> uh, I do. I've definitely given this advice this year. I have a photographer that I work with. Shout out Brandon Smart, my boy. Uh, very talented. And I remember he was talking to me one day and he was like, we had done this project and he was looking at his photos and he's just like, I don't know what to, what to do. I just hate, I hate this. And I just, I told him, I was like, just put it down, take a walk, like 30 minutes, just go outside, move your legs. Trust me. Like just don't think about it, just go out and walk, and when you come back, you'll know exactly what to do, yeah, totally. like later that night, he texted me, and he was like, "You were right, I'm, I was like, yeah. I knew you had it, I knew you, I knew you could do it, you know, yeah,
1: yeah, sometimes when like you need to take a walk, it can be the hardest to to decide to take a walk by yourself. Because sometimes if I'm feeling like like addled in my head, just like you know all all up in my head, it's like the last thing I think I want to do is and be completely alone with my thoughts on a walk, <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. but then it ends up working out.
0: But then you see a tree or a mountain and, uh-huh. like, hey, maybe I could draw that. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Some moss.
1: Yeah, that's usually what it is, either a tree or a mountain. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Is there a uh, – what is, like, the holy grail for Tommy Breeze of, like – Have you ever sat and thought about like what your, what your grail would be as far as like design work goes or the thing that if you could, you know, create anything, is there something like that that you haven't done
1: yet? There are things like that. The things that I've been thinking about for a long time, I think the, the first big one on my list to accomplish is a camp out music festival. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I've been
0: breeze fest.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it needs to have my name involved. <laughs> Although, like, we just released a beer with Pond Farm Brewing. It's okay. called Hazy Breeze. Sick. I that's wasn't. You. I wasn't like convinced it should have my name on it. I just. I'm. I'm. I'm not like super interested in just slapping my name on av- on absolutely everything. But uh-huh. uh, my marketing director, all I said, it should have your name on it. Uh, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I can see like why it's convenient mm-hmm. to for. It. To have my name on it,
0: dude, that's high. That's high honor. They got a you got a beer named after you. That's yeah, that's a badge <laughs> of honor right there. Were you involved at all in the uh, development of the flavor?
1: I actually was. I didn't brew it, which yeah. is why it's delicious. <laughs> um, I did the art design for the can. Nice. Um, and Trevor, uh, one of the co-owners of Pond Farm Brewing in Santa Fe, uh, sat down with me and gave me a little tasting flight of some of his other IPAs. We were focused in on doing a hazy IPA because that's my favorite type of beer. And they had a open slot for a hazy IPA in their lineup. So it kind of worked out perfectly. And I just told him like what I liked about each beer that I tasted. And he was like, all right. And took some notes and went into his laboratory and made a recipe. Mm. And then, uh, we came in and like helped like pour some bags of hops and malt into large cauldrons. We probably got in the way more than we actually helped, <laughs> um, but got some good photo ops and nice. And then it sat in those, uh, cauldrons for, for a little while and showed up to help can it. And, uh, turns out it's the greatest beer ever made.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Take me to that. Mo- what's the, what's it like, you know, that moment where you take your first sip. It was pretty amazing. Of your beer.
1: It was pretty amazing. It was like, and it was out of the can too, so like like they have like a a can machine that has like empty cans and then it fills it up with beer and like pops a thing on it, and then it spins the label onto it, and then it just comes out the other side of the assembly line, so I got to just pick up like a frosty ice cold can of beer with my design on it and like crack it open and take a sip. Also, we showed up early for canning day. So this was at probably like ten fifteen a.m. Okay. <laughs> um, and it was amazing. It was like everything I'd ever dreamed a beer could be, you know, and luckily other people liked it too. So it sold out in two weeks. Wow. And, uh, that was back in April and they just re-released it with a double batch. So as of, uh, recording time here, still available in kegs, cans have sold out again. Um, and there's a few local restaurants around here in Marin that have it on tap.
0: That's so cool, man. going to have to get some kegs for your next show, I think.
1: Oh, definitely. (laughs) Well, we had kegs for the last two shows here. Nice. Um, I was able to score a kegerator, um, that we have set up on our patio now. Um, so we got the pond farm tap on there and, uh, Yeah. It's great to have that there. I think the next thing I want to do is come out with like a, like a non-alcoholic seltzer. Maybe I need to find someone to collaborate with seltzer industry. If you want to do a collab, let me know. What's that? Need to have something to balance out the 6.2% Hizzy IPA with an NA seltzer. Actually, what I want to do um, is I want to release a non-alcoholic hard seltzer.
0: Interesting. Go on.
1: Yeah, it's a seltzer. Yeah. But uh, but it's branded as a non-alcoholic <laughs> hard seltzer. It's still hard. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. Come on. It's just non-alcoholic.
0: <laughs> I like that, dude. I, you, I'm sure that would be really fun to design a, an image for, you know? Definitely, How yeah. communicate non-alcoholic yeah. hardness.
1: So, yeah, as far as the Holy Grail goes, it would be all of these things combined basically into a site-specific campout festival. And I would want to have, you know, a lot of... A lot of art design involved i want to, would want to have like some sculptures in there some banners along the stages you know i'd want to design them with some of my art i'd want to bring in other artists to do different banners you know for all the stage backdrops and and pathways and things like that mm-hmm. um you know i've been thinking about it for a long time just you know every time i go to a festival or an event like looking at how it's done there taking mental notes maybe getting really inspired and drawing a aerial view map of an ideal festival space and uh taking a bunch of notes of like what's involved you know from from sound to medical to camping to mapping and everything um it's just something i'm really passionate about doing one day i'm Mm -hmm. not trying to rush into it but uh throwing the events here has been a great way to kind of get the ball rolling on it
0: is there any are there any current fests that you would draw inspiration from like in the in the large industry that is the festival industry who's doing it really well
1: there's a lot of people who do it really well i think high sierra is one that springs to mind um, my personal favorite. <laughs> this this festival though, it wouldn't be on the scale of High Sierra. And High Sierra, I guess to some people also counts as a small festival, even though it's maybe five to six thousand. This would be at maximum like five to six hundred, probably more like two to three hundred. Yeah, and then we'll see where it goes from there. But I do want to start on like a more of a a camp out kind of vibe. Camp out with your friends, you know,
0: big enough to feel like, you know, to see new faces. Yeah. But small enough to still feel intimate. Like you all have this shared experience. Everybody, you know, you got to get the stick and poke tattoo (laughs) artist. So everyone can get the same tattoo. I was Uh, I was just talking to a friend yesterday. She was telling me that she was like, living at this house in Mexico. It was during the pandemic. So there was all these mansions that were, you know, five, 6,000 a month normally. Yeah. But because there was no one coming to visit, uh, they were able to get it for like five to 600 a month. So they had like, everybody had like their own Villa. Yeah. And they ended up having a tattoo festival, like more of a hang. Right. But they had 80 people come into her house With an artist, and they eighty people got the same tattoo, which is pretty amazing. That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I want like there to be, you know, a space like a, a recurring event where people can come to it, get involved with it, and just walk away inspired and hopeful. I think because I'm I'm really inspired to put stuff together that just shows like our our world, our little sliver of the world here in Marin, our little bubble that like it is possible to pull off a vibrant art scene. Mm -hmm. And I think people are really eager to support it. Um, But it can be hard to like know where to go to support that. Um, And I wanted to have that, like that X factor of like, it just feels like something that's important to the individual people who get to put their craft into it and then have that really come across to anyone who comes by that, like this is something that is organic and positive um, and just a space to not have it turn into exactly what I have in my mind's eye, but have it turn into what the universe wants it to be.
0: Oh yeah. The, uh, do you have any locations in mind already that you're,
1: I'm looking at a few right now. Um, nothing uh, nothing where it's like, we're definitely using this one. Um, I am really interested in getting in touch with different property owners in West Marin um, that would be interested in hosting a small thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's a, a single day thing or a multi-day thing. And uh have some responsible people come in and knock it out of the park and leave yeah. it, leave it better than they found it.
0: Totally. Well I mean, you know, ever since parachute days ended, it feels like there's like a big parachute sized hole in Absolutely. the Absolutely. I love parachute days
1: and uh and I know the community is ready for something cool and and it's gonna be cool because of the community.
0: Yeah. I feel like I don't know if this is possible if you in Marin, but for me personally as a festival goer enthusiast having a body of water is like essential uh yeah you know to swim like if you're drinking all day or you didn't sleep last night or Mm -hmm. you know just worn out from all the stimulation like having a place that people can go that would be really immerse themselves it's such a refreshing thing to do you know it's definitely saved me on the high sierra oh yeah you know especially when it's like 90 degrees out yeah, I need to go refresh, you know, and also give my senses a chance to relax into the home- homeostasis because there's so much mm. stimulation at a festival.
1: Definitely. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Yeah, maybe we, uh, as a last resort, we got some kiddie pools out there. There you go. Get Dr. <laughs> Bronner's with the... Yeah. You know, with the-
0: the shampoo or the the, the the soap the foam bath or the foam shower or whatever yeah <laughs> that's awesome <man. laughs>
1: yeah i'll i'll fill up uh i'll fill up a uh, uh, a kiddie pool just for you at the festival
0: Hobart's pool man yeah. i'll do a podcast in the kiddie pool let's yeah. do it you know
1: <laughs> podcasting in the pool
0: yeah the pool cast you know
1: the pool cast i love it let's do it all right the dumbed, breezy pool pass putting on the schedule the
0: bra- the breezy pool cast <laughs> all right cool all right. now right. we
1: have something to shoot for with the podcast at the, at the i'm fest. there dude yeah let's do it for
0: sure i mean you, we're gonna need to document it video wise yeah. too you know so yeah it's a important important thing to have for sure yeah. um that's awesome are you uh are you have you been playing music much lately
1: a little bit yeah i've been uh jamming with a few friends been uh Bring back some of my old songs from Space rug uh, I've done a couple couple shows in town. I did a little set uh, opening for my good friend Thomas Desley of Sun Hunter that was at Perry's a few weekends ago, and then I did a an open mic set at nineteen Broadway at Max. Um, I still think of it as 19 yeah. Broadway as well Well it's Max at 19 Broadway So nice. they both count But I do want to use their preferred <laughs> <Yeah>. name <laughs>
0: 19 Broadway identifies as Max now
1: Yes they do <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a great little spot And I didn't even realize it was open mic night that night But there was a guy on the patio who had a guitar with him And he offered it to me to play And I played a song and he was like Whoa dude like, you, gotta, you gotta go inside And play some music And I'm like really you think they'd be okay with that and he was like no it's open mic night
0: oh great (laughs) the universe is conspiring to get you on stage
1: yeah which which is you know something i would love to do again one day but it's not like the main the main thing that i think about really i want to conspire to get other people on stage and have it be the coolest stage possible Mm. Um, because i know there's you know there's a lot of shows around that you know maybe bands are like and I wish like there was more to do here. I wish we could get a larger audience out to the spot and they're really good clubs, really good venues. Um, but I think we can cast a much wider net by, um, having it be like an interactive space that has a lot of other reasons to go there apart from just the music. But then the music is so good that people are there for the music too,
0: that's what's up, dude. Got to get Gabe Cordy on it, man. That guy built some pretty cool stages.
1: Oh man, there's so many <laughs> awesome, you know, stage builders, and I just think it can be a really great environment of collaboration. And yeah, that's one of the things I'm learning right now with running the company is just how to make collaboration happen and how to be in that leader position of coordinating different crews to do different things. Um, you know, I'm trying to do the, the concert thing on the small scale here at our studio so I can learn in a more contained way. Like what are my shortcomings? What do I need to learn? Um, and when I'm ready to do it a little bit bigger, making sure, uh, I'm really, really set to do it.
0: Yeah. It's like that gentle scale, uh, of, of development you know and the um do you find with you know when you're working with your team in the capacity of this of this leadership role do you guys have um like creative meetings or you know how, how does how does the inter organizational communication take place is it are you guys able to like set time aside to talk big picture stuff or is it more of like a day-to-day grind kind of thing? There's
1: a little bit of big picture stuff here and there. Um, I mean, a lot of the time when we're working on things, you know, maybe a couple of us will be sewing, someone else will be doing another thing. And there can kind of be a banter around the room of, you know, sometimes we just, people shout out just like what's on their mind. And sometimes it's big picture stuff. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Like, let's make a note of that. Let's circle back onto that make some time for it. We should probably make some more time for that big picture stuff. I sort of toyed with the idea of having like a a meeting where we just have time set out to like talk big picture stuff, even if it's for like 10 or 15 minutes um, or longer if needed. Most of the time there's just a lot of stuff to get up to when we get in here. So I've sort of set out different projects for people to work on and dive into that. And then it's just sort of projects, project, projects, project, like mm-hmm. as they appear during the day, pivot to there. Um, but I think what I'm working on right now with my company with the with the apparel company or the art company or the hat company, as a lot of people call it, which is fine with me. I mean, we we are me. known for the hats. Yeah. Um, I think of it as an art company, but honestly, if people call it a hat company, I've I probably deserve that title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm really just trying to get it to the point where, you know, we have all of our numbers together. Um, We know uh, what our income and our outflow is for everything. And and I want to get it to a point where it's profitable enough that I can spend some time working on the other stuff. Um, Sometimes, especially like in the winter, it can kind of feel like boom, boom, boom. Like we got to get this done to make this amount by the end of the month. Um, So I am trying to like steer it to a point right now where we can be just a little more like relaxed with the flow of our day. Still working really hard throughout the day, but also getting a chance to like take some breaks. Um, We do take some good breaks. We'll often like go over to Split Rock to like get lunch or uh, hang out on the patio or something. Um, I try to encourage breaks, especially if someone's sewing for a lot of time. Like you can't just sit on the machine for hours, even if you get into the zone with sewing, then you can kind of like forget to take a break. Mm -hmm. But, you know, got to get up and like stretch and move around and... Um, there's a long way to go on the company side for me. I still don't feel like I've gotten it to like a comfortably successful place, um, where I can rest on my laurels in any way at all. It's always boom, boom, boom. Like, you know, get looks the next like you're
0: and... wearing many hats.
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> but still the biggest one is, is literally just, uh, just try to get it profitable.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the. What is it? It's like the Sisyphusian effort.
1: Yeah, definitely. Until
0: you can get that perpetual motion machine in line.
1: But I'm glad I'm also working on the community event side and all of that. I feel like I wouldn't want that to fall by the wayside just because I'm so serious about like doing it in a profitable way. Um, I think even if like doing, you know, event like a nonprofit or something or like I'm not – getting paid for the whole setup of being there with a the sewing machine. I still want to try to work stuff like that in because it leads to so much good community connections instead of pushing that aside and just going for like the big money stuff. Yeah. I'm glad that we're kind of rolling into that slowly with like still a good combination of community stuff and paid stuff.
0: Nice dude. Yeah. As far as, you know, profitability, scaling, I know we talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but how how have you guys been diving into, this is something I'm asking both for the audience but also for myself. uh, As I get more and more into trying to learn how to market my own services in the digital realms, have you been engaged in any of that? What's that experience been like for you? How do you guys market your Your apparel.
1: Yeah, the marketing side has been really fun lately because I'm working with one of my good friends, Ole Sanchez, uh, who is our marketing director here. He also plays in a band called The Happies. Look them up, listen to The Happies. Um, And it's been a lot of fun just like shooting different content, making some, you know, social media uh, ad spots, or really just like videos, kind of fun videos and stuff like that. um, Being. A lot more cognizant about like what we're doing behind the scenes on the website as far as like easy wins of like setting it up in different ways and like making sure we like build our email list and you know all these weird tech behind the scenes stuff that that Ollie understands really well um as far as marketing goes we don't do a lot of marketing I mean one of the the strengths of having it mostly be about hats right now is people wear them on their foreheads and get asked questions about them. Uh, so it has been fun to see it spread through word of mouth. Um, hello printer. Every once in a while, the printer just
0: wants to speak up.
1: Yeah. It's just like, Hey, I'm a printer. Yeah. So makes
0: me think of the brave little toaster. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Shout out brave little toaster.
1: (laughs) Um, so yeah, there's not a lot of like marketing that goes on apart from from some social media stuff and uh just from getting hats out into the world mm-hmm. um I am about ready to start bringing on some more stores, some more stores that want to partner um We haven't done a whole lot of outreach to stores um you know sometimes that can be a little uh, a little overwhelming, yeah. Um, I used to do it a lot. And luckily that led to us getting a great store network of about 30 stores um, where the hats are all selling fantastic. Um, But, you know, stores get approached by so many different brands every day. I really want to be working with stores that like see it and like immediately want it. I don't want to have to do a whole bunch of, like, sales pitching or convincing. Mm, right. If it takes too much convincing, I'm probably just going to, like, move on to another thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so far, the new stores that have been signing on have all been stores that have gotten in touch with us and, like, legitimately want to carry the product. And and then we know that they're going to make some money by selling it. Yeah. It's all going to be happy faces all around.
0: It always makes me happy when I go into Sports Basement and I see your work because, yeah. you know, in the East Bay, that's, like... A big athletic store that was like oh i know those hats yeah i'm wearing one of them right now you know
1: (laughs) yeah we're working on a new a new shipment to sports basement those guys a couple of these nice and three more different patches different colors uh i just held up two trucker hats to our audio only audience
0: yeah are you still doing the uh the dark style in the same way
1: yeah yeah, so the blackout patches. you yeah. do an ink wash across the front of one of our classic cypress patches. Nice. Um, it's kind of like a little nighttime scene for it. Um, and then when you bring it out into the daylight, it sparkles in a in a pretty cool way. Um, we're always trying to to push what can be done yeah. with a patch. You know, we do the hybrid patches with the combination of color fades, printing, embroidery, um, and you know, we always are trying to keep some tricks up our sleeve for how we can just have the best version visually of what we're setting out to achieve.
0: Have you guys ever like run any ads on Instagram or done any of the paid marketing stuff? We've
1: dabbled a little bit. I think right now we've got a few going on a really small scale doing like AB testing. Yeah. Um, Just like, you know, what do people want to see? bring it out on a really small scale with like, do they want to see a picture of a hat on the ground or somebody wearing a hat? And like, how do we go from there? Um, I've done a few marketing related things where like I traded someone for the marketing. Uh, the first mural I ever did was on the, the wall of my, uh, my high school I went to, Mm. um, in the journalism classroom. Okay. Um, it was, uh, like a solid like 7 years after I'd graduated from the high school but the the journalism class got in touch with me to see if I wanted to do a mural um on their wall and um I was like sure that sounds great and we did a trade for uh back page advertisement <laughs> um in their high school paper which nice. was fun
0: <laughs> there you go did that did you did that uh, translate into any new leads or you know, I don't I
1: don't know. <laughs> Didn't particularly care. For sure. No, um, I mean that's just but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What I did think was cool was Ella, who works here now, was actually in that journalism class. Oh wow. So she remembers me being in, in the classroom like during lunch, like painting on the wall. She never talked to me or anything. I sort of kept to myself, but she was like, Yeah, now I work here and You're the mural guy. You were the mural guy back in <laughs> twenty nineteen. Yeah, That's awesome.
0: <laughs> do you have any plans? I, I forget if I asked you last time. But do you guys have any plans to do any kind of like mugs or mm. coffee
1: cups or? I would love to do some stuff like that eventually. Um, right now, I'm definitely trying to get the hat side profitable to the point where I have some more time to spread things out to that. Um, but actually, uh, Ashton's been looking into different uh, machines that. We actually have space for it in the studio. Mm. Um, It's a few different machines that it would take to do mugs and that kind of thing. Um, But if we can invest in those, we'll be able to do it. Yeah, Um, It's the same. There's a lot of crossover, too, with doing some T-shirt stuff. Um, So, yeah, that's definitely on the radar. I think it would be really fun. I always uh, can't find a coffee cup. Right, and, and I can always find a hat so if I start making coffee cups I'm gonna have better access to coffee cups everybody so needs access. that's the real reason I'm doing this I, I mean I I've been asking
0: to uh because I've been on the look for a new coffee cup myself yeah. so I'm always thinking about that I had I had my friend uh not sure if you're familiar with Damian from the valley he lives in Switzerland now, but he's an oh, amazing cool. printmaker, local artist. Oh, Maybe oh, you've nice. seen some of his shirts. They're all like redwood trees. Wow. And he does these awesome like seeds with like crazy print. It'll be like a an acorn. And then on the inside is like a whole landscape.
1: Whoa. Very interesting. That's super cool. I don't know if I've seen that, but well, I would love to check that out.
0: Yeah, I'll share his account with you. He, awesome. he was on a couple episodes ago, but cool. Um I was asking him about the mugs too. I was like, when am I going to get a mug, dude? Come on, I need a <laughs> yeah. mug, you know?
1: Yeah, for now, our work around is slap a sticker on the mug. There you go, yeah. But uh, we want to do it right too. Yeah, <laughs> awesome.
0: Well, I think maybe a good place to end it would be just talking about, you know, we touched on it, on a, little, on it a little bit, but what are the upcoming events that you guys have planned? Um, what can people look forward to?
1: Yeah, there are know? some fun things to look forward to. Uh, We haven't nailed down the dates yet, but we're going to have at least two more concerts in our spring concert series here at the studio. So keep an eye out for that. And then what we do have the dates for are some Fairfax Festival uh, after parties here at the studio. Oh, okay. Tell me more. Yeah. So the Fairfax Festival happens in downtown Fairfax um, in the park there. The music ends at six. Um, and we're going to be putting on some evening events here. So it's going to be art pop-ups and then we're going to have headlining acts for both nights, Saturday and Sunday. That's June 10th and 11th. Okay. We're going to have a full lighting array set up, full professional sound. Uh, we're going to have food vendors and uh beverage like brewery pop-ups and tickets for it will all be sold in advance. Um, so it's going to be sold probably through, the website uh through like a eventbrite link or something on the Instagram as well. Okay. Um so if people wanna come down and check it out, it's gonna be two days. You can either buy a one day ticket or get a small discount for getting a two day weekend pass. So if you're coming out to the Fairfax Festival, biggest event in town, and you're looking for something super awesome to do in the evening mm-hmm. instead of wandering around aimlessly. <laughs> Um, come on over to the studio. Um, we'll have more, uh, information about the, uh, location and the timing and specifics for everything, but that'll all be through, uh, through a ticket page for the events. And it should be fun.
0: So, yeah. Speaking of how can people find you and find your brand? What's, what is the Instagram previously alluded to? In, uh, and yes. The website? That Instagram
1: is at by Tommy breeze. We also have a website, tommybreeze.com on all major internet browsers. Nice. I love that. (laughs) Um, and yeah, you can find me at, uh, at different events. You can sign up for a newsletter. I'll be letting people know about what our live sewing events are. You can find me at, uh, West Marin little league opening day. Um, probably at the Marin Duro Enduro mountain bike race on April 1st at split rock. um, Little league day is like
0: full circle. Cause I remember our last conversation opened with <laughs> you talking about your, your start
1: with hats was little league. Yeah. You know? Right. So. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, feel free to, to give us a follow online, check out the website and, uh, see what you find.
0: Hell yeah, brother. Well, Tommy dude, thanks so much for coming on. Great to have you on here. And
1: thank you so much, Hobie. It is an honor to be back on your podcast.
0: Yeah, dude. Well, I'll have to come check out check out the uh, Fairfax Festival thing and um until next time brother.
1: All right. Until next time. Thanks
0: Thank everyone you. for tuning in. Much love to you out there. Peace.